Live from the Motor City, all the way to the Volunteer State, it's time for the Reckless Speculation Podcast, where we recklessly speculate the latest news in the world of sports, from college football to NASCAR. We've got you covered. And don't forget to stick around for the world-famous Bet Your Nuts, where we will give you your best bets to make the most money. Now sit back, grab your favorite drink of choice, and join Robbie Davis, Raj Mehta, Brandon Chain, and Tom Sloan. It's showtime. Welcome, welcome everyone to Reckless Speculation. I think this is episode, or season three, episode something in the 50s. Um, we are glad to have everyone tuning in. We, uh, it's a the po- first post NFL show, so we have a lot of drama in college basketball. Um, some on the field, court, some off the court. We have a D- Daytona breakdown, and then we also have some NFL coaching moves. Uh, joining with me, joining me with, as always is uh, Tom Sloan up in Detroit. What's going on, Robbie? It's a very icy Detroit, and I'm not talking about ice hockey, but very icy. Yeah, what's the temperature up there? Uh, it's 31. Uh, temperatures will increase throughout the night, get to about 47 tomorrow. Uh, so all this mess will be gone, hopefully, <laughs> by by early morning. So, uh, But it's nasty. It's really nasty tonight. Might lose power, so if, if you see me disappear, you'll know why. <laughs> yep. And then in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, we have Brandon Chain. What's going on? What's going on? Not icy here, but a little rain and and pretty windy today. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Um, and just north of me in Chattanooga is Raj Mehta. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm originally from Southern California, but I guess the weather today, you could say. Uh, as I'm quoting Nate Oates, the Alabama basketball coach, wrong place, wrong time for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and we're going to get to that. Um, yeah, it has been, it's about 83 or so today in Chattanooga. Yeah, uh, actually I, really nice. I was just trying yeah. to make fun of Nate Oates. I, I walked out of a deposition today and uh, first time in a while I've had a suit and tie on. And I was like, holy hell, is it summer already? But um, we digress. So Raj kind of led into it. And um, Raj, I'll start with you. Look, this situation at Alabama and their basketball program, and he's playing right now as we speak. Um, To give everyone a quick rundown, these are the alleged facts. These are as we know them. This is what was presented at a bond hearing today um, for uh, a Mr. Miles, who was the alleged shooter, um, which is obviously troubling. A young female was murdered. Um, there's the legal side of this, and then there's a the sports side of this. Um, this isn't a legal show. You and I could possibly talk about the legal aspects of it later. And we will probably sprinkle in some legal aspects of this, but as a sports show, what was presented today was allegedly Brandon Miller, the five-star 
consensus top five draft pick, leading scorer from the number two ranked Crimson Tide, delivered the gun to Mr. Miles, which was allegedly used to shoot the young lady. Um, so with that being said, um, I guess what's Alabama doing right now? What, 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 what if whether it, so if you're the president, what are you thinking right now? What's interesting, and I'm trying not to have this opinion that, okay, it's Alabama and they're known for valuing sports victories more than anything, including justice throughout the years. And it's hard when the chief deputy district attorney says we don't have enough to charge this kid on, which is fine. But like at this point, there's they just made it seem like it, it's done, tabled, no big deal. Um, Nate Oates says we're aware that the kid brought the gun and you had said delivered. Um, when did Nate Oates become aware? What is the definition of delivered? Uh this murder happened on January 15th, and Nate, uh, Miller has played every game since. It's strategic lawyering by uh, Miller's team, which they're basically saying that he didn't deliver it. He didn't give it to him. He brought Miles to the nudie bar, and he didn't know the gun was in the car. Miles then texted, hey, man, we I need my gun. Some stuff's about to go down. And still... Miles or Miller rather claimed or his attorneys claimed that he had no idea what the gun could be possibly used for, that he was just a, a pawn, had no clue, uh, j- just, I guess, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> but yeah, so that's essentially it. You know, what role does does he have? And people say accomplice or accessory before the fact. The bottom line is, in, I mean, just a break it down simply Miller would have to known about the plan to kill or whatnot. Now we can go into negligence and we're not going to get into that now. Um, But yeah, that's essentially it. Um, I think the biggest issue was like, we didn't even know about Miller and any of this stuff until it was made public. And then Nate Oates was just like, Oh, hum, no big deal. You know, never mind this poor young girl dying. Um, he's since backtracked off that, but that's basically where we stand. Like we are finding out things, uh, every second, literally, and, uh, strategic lawyering is happening at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and just to let the audience know, so these come in stages, right? So a bond hearing is a limited amount of testimony or a little amount of theories of the case the prosecution is going to say, hey, this is why a guy should stay in custody. Um, there's going to be grand jury testimony that's going to come out that's going to have more facts. Then there's going to initially be an indictment. Um, this is only going to get worse for Alabama. I can assure you of that. There's no, It's not going to get better. And he was um, there. Like They admitted that he was yeah. there, but then well, he took the, off shortly. Th- there were bullet holes in his car. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And true. so and Brandon, now they're coming clean about it, huh? I guess yeah, it's and, and, and so for Nate Oates to say he didn't know anything, like you 
your, your player's got bullet holes in his car the same night the person was murdered. Uh, Brandon, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, just kind of overall how Nate Oates handled it, and what do you think about how Alabama's handled this? Poorly on both aspects. Um, I think if it wasn't a five-star player, they, they would automatically be suspended until further notice, investigation, yada, yada, yada. We haven't seen something of this magnitude involving a murder, but we've seen, you know, criminal charges and people involved in other aspects of sports, basketball, football, and usually the teams are fairly quick to suspend until further notice. Um, it's, it's kind of sad that it's happened this way and there's, there's not further action taken or there can't be some kind of charge brought up against him for some type of accomplice um, or, you know, delivering a weapon or, you know, something of that nature. So uh, pretty poorly um, if you look at it. And I don't know, like you said, I think it's only going to get worse and um, Bama better buckle up. Yeah. And so, so, so the civil lawsuits, this is, this is what I do is I sue people, sue people for negligence civilly. Um, it's coming and it's coming hard for uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Miller and maybe for the university and all these, all these in play. Um, Raj, you uh, were once an attorney. You still are an attorney. Um, mm-hmm. You and I talked about this earlier. I said, if I'm him, if I'm his agent, if I'm him, I don't sign that pro contract until this is over. What do you think, Raj? So for those who are not uh, watching the Weather Channel, we our production headquarters is currently in Detroit, and uh, there's a huge ice storm, so we are dealing with power outages or not. Um, Brandon, I'll, I'll put that question to you, not as necessarily an attorney, but as a business owner who is very aware of civil litigation and of mm-hmm. liabilities, what would you do if you were in his shoes? Yeah, I mean, I would have immediately suspended the kid. And it's it's going to look bad on them and the whole university. Uh, and, and they could be involved in civil suits and tied into that. So I, I would have shown that, hey, look, we didn't know. We just found out. And we're doing everything we can in our power to assist in any way and, you know, keep him from seeing the basketball court. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I I just, I can't believe he's playing tonight um, after all this. And, and a team they're playing South Carolina who they're favored by 16 and a half over probably can win without him. Um, I just don't get it. This is just arrogance at its highest level. And, um, I was telling you before we got on stage, I haven't, I was trying to research Alabama law. I haven't been able to um, kind of amazed. There's been no charges at all. Um, I don't know if that's by statute or if that's by convenience. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, well, um, while we're waiting on some technical difficulties up from our storm, um, ridden part of the country 
Let's move on uh, from tragedy to some triumph to some drama. Um, we're talking about the Daytona 500, Brandon. Um, but one, how long did it keep your entertainment, and what did you think of it? I know as a as a as a as a NASCAR viewer, because of the show, what do you what you think? So I'm kind of old school on these big races. Typically, you watch about the first 15, 20 laps, and then I tune back in for about the last 50 laps. Yeah, um, that's that's usually these long races. Uh, I don't have the attention span sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's about what I watched, and it was entertaining. It was Daytona. The last 50 laps did not disappoint. Um, I get they tried to finish under a, a green white checker three times, but you know, cautions breed cautions. And that's, that's exactly what we saw. And unfortunately they didn't get to actually make it to the line. Uh, but it was, it was a wild ride. Um, did, what, what did you think about this? This was kind of the first year they've done this where it'll end in that caution. Uh, I, I, for one, um, as a NASCAR fan, I did not know that was the new rule. And um, I to, to make my wife be somewhat interested in watching it for four hours, I bet some money on a driver for her. Her driver was in it, and then it ended. Uh, I personally, I, I know there's getting it finished within a time frame. I know there's all kinds of time constraints. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't. I, it didn't feel right to me. I agree. That was. I was surprised. I had to research it a little bit and be like, "What really happened here?" And uh, yeah, apparently that's a new rule. I, I haven't seen that uh, obviously in the past, but it was still entertaining. It just you hate to see it in like that because another you know two turns and it, it could have been a completely different leader. So. You know, yeah, well, I, and I heard on on, the, on NASCAR radio they were talking about when the button was actually pushed versus when exactly. the, the yellow light came up at Daytona. There was different winners versus. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the, and we'll see how it plays out. Because look, Daytona is super speedway; it's its own animal. There's going to be wrecks like that at the finish. That doesn't happen necessarily at every race, and so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. And um, how it goes. So the for people who care, the ratings were down eight percent from last year. Um, now the question is, I don't know this. Did it? Did golf pull some ratings? Did, or did the XFL factor in at all? Did you catch any of that? I did not watch the XFL. Um, Golf finished up a little before the end of the race, so that I'm sure that pulled a few. But like me, I, I tuned back in. Um, I, I would think some of the NASCAR fans would, but um, I don't know if XFL had any any pull over that. But it could be. I mean, yeah. Well, you you know you have your you have your built in ESPN just market right so if you're at a sports bar and people aren't paying attention espn is a de facto channel um i know at the the kind of party we were having we had uh some people flipping over to memphis versus houston 
Um, but we're we're somewhat in the Memphis market, and so there was some college basketball mm-hmm. fans coming over here. Um, I'll be interested to see how it goes. They're in uh, California next week, and then um, we'll see how these ratings continue mm-hmm. to go. Um, so yeah. Um, I, th- I think everybody's back now. Um, so if you want to try and go to someone else with a question. Uh, you're back but with no sound. No sound. So while you're waiting on some sound, Tom, I'm going to ask you, be asking you a question while you hop on. Um, okay. Some Better? Yeah. So we talked okay. about ratings being down. We're now going mm-hmm. to ratings being up. As always, um, the NFL and the NFL always makes the biggest noise, the biggest splash in the pool. Um, some coaching moves, right? So Eric Benamy goes to Kansas City or goes from Kansas City to Washington. So goes from the goose with the golden egg to the perfect offense, the perfect situation, bets on himself, goes to a franchise that, to say dysfunctional, would be uh, calling me Brad Pitt. Like, you know, like, you know, it's just not good. So he bets on himself. He goes there. What do you think of the move? And I mean, we know why he did it. What do you think of it? Well, I, I think this is. A move, like you said, he he's taking a bet on himself um, because, let's face it, he wasn't calling the shots in Kansas City. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why he hasn't been able to get a head coaching position in the NFL. I think, you know, uh, for the most part, people thought that he was, you know, calling plays and he was kind of the ringleader of that offense, but it wasn't. Andy Reid was calling the shots. So um, I think this gives him an opportunity to grab a hold of an offense and make it his own and kind of prove himself. And this way, if, if he is successful, obviously they're going to have to go in there and find a quarterback because who they've got on staff now just isn't going to cut it. And it's not going to work in a system that he's going to bring in. So he's going to have to bring in a quarterback, whether that means um, free agency or trading up to get one of the big names coming out this year um, remains to be seen, but that definitely is something you're going to look for them to do. Uh, in order for him to gain success. So um, until they do that, they really have a kind of a, a lackluster offense, and I don't see a lot of success um, with him going over there. But, um, again, this is an opportunity for him to kind of put his his uh, nails into an offense and see what he can come, uh, come up with. But, you know, the past three, four years, learning from Andy Reid should uh, bode well for him uh, – giving them the skill set to, to build a team, but they need the pieces and they just don't have it right now, in my opinion. So this led me to think a couple of things. One is, did Andy Reed want him to go? And what I mean by that is, look, you have wide receivers, coaches, quarterback coaches, offensive line coaches. You have these people that want promotions. And if you're Andy Reid, and if it is me calling the plays, then do I want them to go or want him to go so I can promote people that are working this hard? So that's that's thought number one. Thought 
thought number two is, did he have talks with KC's ownership and just say, you're not going to be the successor to Andy Reid? Because to me, it's one of those two reasons, like either Andy wanted him to go or he's not going to get that head job. Because let's say Andy coaches for five more years. You still have Mahomes for another five if you're the coach in waiting, per se. Um, Brandon, I'll get you on. Or Raj, are you still – are you here, Raj, or are you off? Raj, yeah. So if you want to comment so. on that, based, the basis of the question is, um, my theory is either Andy wanted him gone or um, Casey's powers that be told him he's not taking over. What do you think about that? It seems like Andy has legitimately wanted for him to succeed. And I think Andy also, he's just such a presence that I think he's also fully admitted that it's not all Andy, nor is it all the enemy, nor is it really anyone on his staff. It's a collaboration. Unfortunately, there are other factors at play that we really don't need to go down. But I think the enemy really wanted to have that, you know, put up or shut up job that, you know, if if he can be successful with that team, with the Washington commanders or whatever they're called, then, you know, that's that's going to be, uh, I guess, a stepping stone for him. But he hit the glass ceiling for for lack of a better expression in Kansas City. So I get it. Did I think he'd go there? Probably not. But, you know, uh, if he succeeds there, then I think NFL owners will be throwing money at him. Well, we know the elephant in the room. Um, and I would – I don't know the exact numbers – but I bet he's interviewed for at least 16 of these jobs. And what about college? I mean, he went, he was a great running back in Colorado who didn't even give him, from what I understand, a, a glimmer of a shot yeah. and, before and hiring it, Dion. Yeah. And so if you've interviewed, if you've interviewed for 16, there's only 32, 10 aren't open at all. Um, this, this, seems to be what he had to do right of what happens in the NFL yeah that he had to make a drastic sacrifice and change Mm -hmm. whereas elephant in the room if you were of a different ethnicity then perhaps he would not have to do so that he's really got to lay it all out in the line throw all the cards out on the table yeah and so we have a question wonder if there's a character issue with him um Casey is not the meanest media market, but it's not the quietest either. If there was a character issue, look, you have Andy a lot Reed. of strong personalities on that offense as well, and they look as efficient and harmonious as as I've ever seen. And Andy Reid's sons have went through their uh, issues, and they've been in the press. This it's not like I said, it's not the hardest media market, but it's not one to ignore what's going on. If there was some character flaw. Um, and I think is I mean, I think enough sports people follow the NFL that could have broken broken the story. Um Brandon, I'm gonna go to you. The other rumor is uh 
Rex Ryan leaving ESPN and heading to spearhead the Sean Payton-led Broncos defense, which will – it's going to be a blitzing system, a man-to-man system in said division of Mahomes, of Justin Herbert, of the, the Raiders, whoever they're going to come out with. Uh, what, do you, what do you think this looks like? It is very interesting. Um, he's been out of the game for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he was great when he was in it. I mean, especially defense. Uh, he, his defensive mind was was phenomenal. Um, I'm anxious to see how he can adapt. I think he will do fine, especially under Sean Payton. Uh, they've got pretty good head start on on the game, but trying to stop Mahomes. I'm sure he's got some things up his sleeve. He's he's not your standard defensive coordinator. I mean, he he definitely has a lot of heavy blitz packages, and and they're they're going to get pressure on on Mahomes and and those quarterbacks. My first thought was this reminds me of those Saints teams with Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. One like we're going to exactly. blitz the t- yeah. Obviously, you can't hurt the quarterback intentionally anymore. But that's what it reminded me of. Is that's the yeah, mentality for sure. Sean Payton wants is, yeah, get after him and give me the ball back. Yeah, no, I I agree, and just you know how he adapts to that, and if if he needs to adapt to that, uh, to what you know being out of the game for so long. So it's gonna yeah. be anxious to see. Yeah, and at the top of that division, obviously Mahomes is up there. Uh, mm-hmm. The Chargers are still the Chargers, though. They can be had. They are a mediocre franchise with talent, but you don't trust them. Yeah. And now the Raiders, once they draft Will Levis, they're in the dumpster for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, Chargers, they're – they they can't stay healthy on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line is meh, and you know Herbert's great. Uh, he just can't get his receivers to stay healthy, and offensive line is just. Um, so Tom, we're, you're no longer on screen, right? You're off. No. I'm back. Oh, you're back. All right. I'm what back. do you think? What do you think about? I'm glad you're safe. Um, the <laughs> good now. news is no meat will go bad in that kind of weather. Just put it outside. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, what do you think about uh, Rex Ryan possibly teaming up with Sean Payton in Denver? I don't know. I I, I know Raj put in the the little chat that the secondary is perfect for him. Um, I, it's it's a shakeup, and and if you're looking for somebody to go in there and really um, kind of keep guys accountable, it, that might be your guy. He's got coaching experience, but you know the, the latter years of his coaching career, he hasn't had the best success. So, I'm 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 interested that that uh, Sean Payton decided to go down that route. Feel like he he probably had some better connections defensively to go in there, but you know this might be uh, like I said before a, a way to go in there and shake things up. Somebody that's been a head coach. Um somebody that can go in there and just, you know, uh, help them out, maybe an assistant head coach that um, that can just, you know, shake things up a little bit because, let's face it, the, that team has been uh, a complete disappointment starting with 
what was the head coach and the quarterback. So uh, maybe new face, new attitude, but I, I'm not sure if he's the right guy. I, I feel like you could have gone after a younger candidate, but who knows? We'll see if that, that works. And, and, and for him to leave ESPN, you know, that's a cush job and they make a lot of money. So it sounds like uh, he was offered a nice, nice uh, penny to, to leave ESPN studios in the, in the pregame uh, to, to join the Broncos. What intrigues me about this kind of relationship is so Denver's obviously forking over a ton of money for coaching staff. Well, if Denver's offense struggles again and the defense is good under Ryan, how do him and Peyton work together? Because that can be a huge headbutting match. Both people making a lot of money and both very proud and both have been successful head coaches. Raj, what do you think about that? About, I'm sorry, you were saying I was researching something, Peyton and Rex yeah, Ryan, so, so to speak. So, yeah, let's say Denver Bronco, Denver's offense, again, struggles. And then Denver's defense under Ryan is really great. That's two dominant personalities. And does Ryan start blaming Peyton for not getting the offense ready? And and is that a coaching locker room kind of fiasco setting up to fail? I think the odds of that are, are slim. Um, like I've said before, I think this is a smart move. Like, you know, he's a what many call three, four DC, but really it's a lot of three, three, five. Denver's got a great secondary young Sertan Darby Simmons. And uh, why can't I think of the other corner's name? Um, they spent uh, Oh, Kareem Jackson, the other safety. They have drafted two fifth round picks at corner. And I think one fourth round at safety. So when you're talking about the five, it's just a perfect alignment for him. Also, as Sean Payton, like I said, dude, this is all about in this world, especially in the NFL, um, you know, Tiger hands a tampon to a guy and it gets caught on TV, magnified by a million times. Like you can't even have a joke anymore that is inside. So my point being is the spotlight is always on you. And if I'm a head coach coming back and I established, you know, a, a legacy with another team, I'd love to get a guy like Rex Ryan on my side. Like just kind of like point over there, like put the spotlight on Dumbo over there. It's his fault. He's the loud, obnoxious one, not me. Um, on top of that, like I said, he is a great DC, but I think there are more, uh, more positives than negatives in this hire. Uh, that's a good take. All right. So let's switch to the topic that we all love to talk about, which is money. So, Daniel Jones is the next uh, or one of the next quarterbacks up for free agency or up for not free agency up for their contract renewal. He wants $45 million a year um, to stay in New York. Uh, Chain, you know all about money. What do you think about <laughs> um, those terms and conditions if you are the Giants? Well, I don't think the Giants are paying Danny Dimes forty-five mil a year. Uh, that that's doubtful to happen. Um, they've got a couple options here, so obviously they could tag him, franchise tag him, and that would immediately take a 
32 or $33.4 million hit um, off their cap space. They don't have much room here. Um, they're only looking, I guess, estimated about 44 to 46 million on their cap space right now. So taking a big hit like that off the, the cap immediately, um, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to try and get a deal done. Now they do have another option with the transition tag. It's a little cheaper on them uh, and they have the um, right of first refusal. So he can shop, he can talk to other people and see what he can get on the market. Uh, he is a top 15 guy in the league though. Last year, I think pro football focus had him ranked at uh, number 12 QB and which, you know, just over last year. And they have, I mean, Dak Prescott was uh, number 18. Tannehill's actually number 15 for the information. But I, they've got to get a deal done here or they're going to have to move on from him. I know he's trying to get, you know, Dak money and, and all this stuff, but he just hasn't proven enough. Now, he did have a really good year this year, but over a, a long period of time, I was – I mean, if, if they can get a deal done, that gives them options to back in the contract, signing bonuses, open up a little bit more cap space. They just have a lot more wiggle room if they do it that way. So you and I live through the same fandom, uh, for better or worse. I guess my question just comes down to this is, can you win a Super Bowl with the guy – and if not, why would you ever consider paying him? Because I feel like that's what the Titans did with Tannehill. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not one of those that trashes Tannehill. Look, he's a decent quarterback. Anytime you're one of the top twenty in the world at what you do, you are a great, great person professionally. Like that that's an incredible talent. But if you're not good enough to win the Super Bowl, why would you pay someone not just reset and try to start all over again? Because this is a business ultimately, and you got to pack the seats and you got to give your fans hope that there is a chance. And on the, on the other take, like who else are you going to get that? I mean, Trey Lance, uh, Derek Carr. I mean, you know, what are we looking at here? Josh yeah. Dobbs. I mean, there's not a whole lot on the market that you can get and not have to pay for. I mean, there's inflation and all this guaranteed money. Now I don't think we'll ever see in the next couple of years, at least what Deshaun Watson got guaranteed. But Oh, I mean, no, they, every, every owner is like, no, 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 do not yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, Raj said that's uh, loser talk. I'm going to bring Raj on and let him comment on this. So, Raj, why is it loser talk? Oh, no, your you're Tannehill rationalization. Now, you guys, number one, think he's a top 15 quarterback in the league. Numbers are not. Number two, you're like, yeah, any time in the world, there's X amount of players that, you know, sure, I agree, but that's loser talk. Like, Derek Carr is one of the – 
top 32 best quarterbacks in the world. But no, no, when I'm it comes saying, to I'm the realm of the – Like, just personally, that's something to be proud of. Not franchise. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't pay any of them personally, Jones included. I mean, you and I have said this many times. The Haslam's really screwed it up for the rest yeah. of the world, paying Deshaun Watson. I mean, and you're talking about someone with zero leverage. Um and just giving him money, like it's just ridiculous, and and that's what Jones's you know camp it, is going it makes to make the Bobby Bonilla contract look smart, where the Mets are still paying him one million dollars every yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the Mets have their one million dollar cap hit, if you will, versus what you know the Browns have, and. Kyler Murray, Murray as well. Um, there are eight quarterbacks at present that have an average annual value of uh, $40 million per year. That does not include Burrow, Herbert, and Lamar Jackson, who are sure to reach that. The question is, what do you do with uh, Daniel Jones? If you give him a one-year, low-30s, mid-30s deal to prove his point, I think he'd be happy, but the good thing about a long-term deal is it it's more cap friendly. You can defer the money and structure it how you want. Um, yeah, the backup this year technically was Tyrod Taylor, who is serviceable, but who gets hurt every time he's the starter. So unfortunately, it's just where the market is. Uh, is he worth – I mean, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Kyler Murray at this point? Um, I think I'd take Kyler Murray, but at the price tag, I could get Daniel Jones. I think I could get him for, I'd take him. Um, but this brings the big question is it's the guaranteed money. And this is where the Haslam's have screwed everything up because, Hey, you can say, you know, three years ago, you say, hey, yeah, Daniel Jones, we'll give you $45 million for the next five years. No biggie, but none of it's guaranteed. And so <laughs> when you start sucking, you're gone. And that's when the Haslam's came out. Huh? Sounds like something that the Lions owners would do. Tom, what is your opinion on this and how does it work? <laughs> well, let's let's go back a second here. That That's what the former regime okay, would okay. have done. We're, uh, we're on a whole – this is brand new Lions, baby. Brand new Lions. Um. I think it's a situation here where um, he's going to end up in New York because he's going to test the waters. And I don't think there's any other teams out there that are willing to spend that much for him. Um, he had a nice second half of the season. And in the playoff run, he looked really good. And I think he got something going with Brian Dable. And I think that's a situation where it would be best for him to stay in New York. Um but they've got a little problem because it's. I think it's going to be either he stays and Saquon leaves or vice versa because uh, the money situation isn't good. And Saquon wants top running back money. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has, has that uh, uh, crown right now at 16 per. I think the Giants were offering somewhere in the range between 12 and 14. So uh, they're not going to have enough money to get them both. So, uh, well. Let, let yeah, let's talk about that. You brought it up. So yeah, Saquon was fourteen, or no, Saquon was sixteen. Giants would have paid him fourteen. 
with Jones being out there, um, what is this team, this huge market team? What do they do? How do you make everyone happy? Well, and I agree with Brandon in the, in our, um, our little chat here. Um, it's easy to replace a running back. You got Tony Pollard in Dallas. That's going to be a free agent that you could go after. Um, but in New York, you need a quarterback. I think it, you, you live and die with a quarterback and, and you have to have somebody to market. And in that city and that market, you need a quarterback running back just isn't going to do it. So uh, it, it's, it's kind of the lesser of two evils. Uh, uh, Daniel Jones is a little bit younger. I think they came in fairly close to one another, but he's more durable. Saquon had a great year, but he's got injury problems. So uh, obviously they're going to be really hesitant to pay the money. And then you look at, at um, uh, they've got a receiver that used to play in Detroit that they signed big bucks to. So uh, they're going to have to find a way to maybe move his deal to free up some money which I don't know if there's a team that would want him because he really didn't uh, do a whole lot. So um, it, 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 I think Daniel Jones has probably got the leverage here, being that New York probably needs him a little bit more than um, he needs New York. So uh, I, I see a situation where there's a franchise or even the transition tag, like Brandon said, that's, that's a great, great uh, point that he made. Um, give him that tag and see you know, what some of the offers are, because I, I don't think they're going to be even remotely close to 45 million. No. Well, and, and you look at this, what happened in the Super Bowl. I mean, a backup Chiefs running back and then an Eagles running back didn't do much. Like, they're just not that valuable. Uh, and then also, look, the NFC is winnable. You have the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys, and then the Packers, depending on what happens with Rodgers, but I think you need a quarterback first. You have to have a quarterback to play. Um, Brandon, I'm going to bring you on to talk about the Juan Woods getting rid of the Titans, moving away from them, and what kind of signal that shows for the Titans, and what do you think the next year or so looks like for the Titans? Oof. Don't ask me that now. Um, no, I. So we all knew Lawan was gone. I mean, yeah. he hadn't been healthy in three years, and he's played maybe. A he total, knew he was gone too. Yeah, maybe a total of fifteen games. He he likes busting with the boys a little better than football. It, it appears so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he even sees the field again. Uh, to be honest, and if he does, it's probably a one-year deal, uh, and it it may be you know eight to ten million. He's not getting that much money. Um, yeah. So they got, they got rid of uh, Woods too, which he didn't really do as much as we thought. It's probably nice to have his veteran presence in the locker room. But other than that, I mean, he, he wasn't quite what we saw coming out of LA um, during his time there. And they did release Zach Cunningham too, um, mm-hmm. which. And uh, uh, Pat Randy. Rand- yeah. Randy Bullock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, got him gone too. So they're, you know, no pun intended, they're cutting the fat here. Um, they really are. They're trying to open up some cap space to try and make some moves here in the draft. Um, 
and we'll we'll see what happens come draft day. Uh, we got a new GM, uh, you know, and I'm excited about him. His player development is he's got a proven record, and I'm just anxious to see what he can do in this draft and how he maneuvers through it. Uh, but I, I'm very excited as a Titans fan to to see change uh, happening. Do you think this is the last year we have for the Henry window? That's a good question. And it's probably, I would have to say yes. Um, and I, I don't even think there's a big window there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very small. And again, like we just said, it is, I love Henry and don't get me wrong. I, I wish he could be a Titan forever, but it's easier to replace a running back. I mean, we've got to get a quarterback and we need about four fifths of our offensive line replaced right now. And that's a huge focus. Um, I, I see us probably stuck with Tannehill one more year um, and them going after an offensive line. Yeah. Well, the, Playoffs this year and the Super Bowl have showed us that just the whole keep away from a Mahomes philosophy is not enough. You have to have firepower to shoot back, mm-hmm. and the Titans just don't have it. And and granted, you and I are talking about a team that choked and missed the playoffs, talking about winning a Super Bowl, but it was two years ago that we were in the AFC championship game. So sure. it, it's still on our mind. Uh, and we still hope for it. Um, and then, all right, so let's move um, from the NFL to a little bit. Well, actually I want to talk to Raj about college basketball. Cause USC finds themselves squarely on the bubble. Um, a good team, a good coach, uh, just not a lot of good, solid opportunities to win in that conference. Raj, where are you feeling right now? Um, I don't know about you. I remember those bubble days. I was checking bracketology every day. <laughs> how, how, how are you feeling right now? What are you thinking? You know, in the pack, because it's regionally uh, logical, we play Thursday, Saturday. So you play the Arizona schools, one of them Thursday, the other Saturday. Um, which is also why when the conference is gone, no idea what's going to happen. But uh, the week before, got swept by the Oregon schools, and I didn't check a website at all. Uh, this past week, swept uh, Cal and Stanford, and Stanford scared me. They're a big team, and, uh, you, you know, SC has those California bigs. We've got versatile seven-footers, um, but two two guys were out, and during that time, they lost – Games they should not have lost. Um, long story short, it's suddenly, you know, they're in in most brackets, but I went from feeling like they're going to win and end up just like Tennessee, right? Like you guys lose. Jordan James, Josiah Jordan James to me is is replaceable, but Julian Phillips does a lot for Tennessee. When they're both out, you, you know, you go from like a two seed or a one seed to a five or six seed, probably. And with SC, when they're healthy, you're looking at like a seven or a six seed at tops. And right now you're a 11 or 12, a play-in seed. So 
they just got those guys back. So to answer your question in a roundabout legal way, I'm just happy they're back because if they didn't play it and they didn't even tell us that they were playing against Stanford. Um, and I reached out to some people in the, that I thought I knew in the program, some people way wealthier than my, anybody I was about to say myself, come on, but they, uh, they ended up playing, and they were trying to be ninja about it. So this week they go to Colorado and to Utah, which I don't care who you are. Anytime you're on the road in conference, it's going to be tough. Yep. So we'll see what they do. They end up with Arizona and Arizona State at home. So really it comes down to you have to beat Arizona. If you beat Arizona, you need maybe one game. Uh, in the conference tourney right now, they're a three. They're number three in the conference. First four teams get a bye. They don't have thirty-eight teams like the SEC. But um, at this point, you need quad one wins. And like you said, there's not a lot of opportunities in the pack. Um, so in that sense, like I feel good about the team because I know there's a ton of talent. But are there the opportunities? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, and I want to just – it was many moons ago, what it seems like, but in the Bahamas, the USC team played – full-strength USC played – They weren't full-strength. Full they didn't have their five-star center. Yeah, well, played a full-strength – well, we didn't have Josiah Jordan-James. Essentially, a, one five-star for each gone. They played two overtime, a great game. So oh. that USC team has talent, and – if they get in, they can be dangerous. That's our best victory, that moral victory loss. It wouldn't have mattered. You, you know, Vince Uwachuku is a is a five-star center that uh, he had a cardiac issue during the summer. So my, my point being is he was a freshman, and against a veteran team like Tennessee, it wouldn't have mattered. But um, like I said, that's when I first saw that Julian Phillips was the real deal. Um, USC is very smart, Andy Enfield. Uh, Alfred E. Newman, nerdy guy, super hot wife who's a bikini model, so you know he's he's smart and a good talker. Um, he switches up D's all the time, and and he played a pretty smart zone against Tennessee. And you need a zone breaker, and Julian Phillips was young, and he would just typical zone break center, you know, free throw line, middle of the key, and, and he made them think twice, which is what you want to do with a zone breaker. Yeah. You've got to hit a couple of those. You've got to show the ability to to see movement, to 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 watch your guys, to dish, you know, to keep the defense honest. And and Phillips did that. So when we went to OT, double OT with Tennessee, I was like, damn. Like that loss did not bother me at all. <laughs> it was not a missed opportunity. No, well, and and uh, I talk about this a lot about basketball fans how they differentiate college with nba nba fans yeah your team loses and you move on college basketball fans act like it's the the college football and you lose and it's over look there's ebbs and flows you know and that's how it goes um all right, so we're running short on time we got eight minutes left uh brandon bringing you on and tom come on too um bigger story this weekend in golf John Rom winning again and his hot streak that he's on or 
Tiger finishing. Brandon, we'll go to you first. Um, obviously, in the golf world, I think people are more hyped about Tiger making the cut and everything. But as a big golf fan and an avid player myself, the streak that John Rahm is on is incredible. He has won five out of his last nine starts. Yeah, he's and he's only finished his worst finish is is number eight, like top eight. Like it's it's unbelievable right now. Um, it, it it was incredible to watch him, you know, pull through again. But again, on the flip side, watching Tiger make the cut, you know, he's he's got the ball speed there. I think he averaged like 180 mile an hour ball speed. He was hitting it past Rory and and JT, you know, in their matches. Uh, he can hit the shots. He obviously you saw the rust on the field shots, the putting, the short game wasn't typically what we see out of Tiger, but he, he had some great stretches there. You know, the end of his first round, he went three birdies in a row and then he did really well on the second round. I think he shot, uh, or well, third round 67. So, I mean, He's got it there. It's just putting it all together. But unfortunately, we won't get to see a whole lot of Tiger uh, in the near future. I mean, he's only going to play a handful of tournaments. All right, Tom, short with you. What do you think is more impressive, John Rahm or Tiger? Yeah, I agree with Brandon. What he was, he's been able to do, he won, you know, start to finish in this last weekend, uh, and he was dominating. I mean, it. I don't think there was a moment in that tournament where you didn't think he was going to win. Um but you, you have to be uh, uh, intrigued by the fact that Tiger looks like he had a lot of fun out there. And he was really joking around with the guys. And say what you want, that little prank he pulled, I uh, know people got all up in arms, and I think that's ridiculous. That's a side of Tiger I don't think any of, any of us have seen as, as far as him just, like, letting loose. And and you could see throughout the, throughout the tournament, you know, he was giving, you know, Justin that look and, and giving him that, that smile and he was cracking up, but um, I, I, he finished. And, and I don't think a lot of people thought he would finish and, and he was really streaky when he was good. He was really good. And then he had a, he had a really uh, rough uh, shot. I don't, it was, it was a par three, I want to say in, in uh, the fourth round where he ended up in the, in the, uh, in the sand and um, it was, it was a pretty bad uh, situation for him, but needless to say, he he finished and and he had good moments. So uh, I was hoping that would lead into more tournaments, but you know he's going to pick and choose who where he plays and and um, when he does play, it'll be huge for the PGA because he's a ratings machine and and I'm sure people tuned in for that that tournament because he was playing in it. So all right, now he, definitely was the right. was the uh, the big one. All right, sorry to cut you off. We got the world famous Bet Your Nuts coming up. It's time for Bet Your Nuts. Brought to you by River City Media. All right. Thank you for that introduction. We will go with Raj first. I'm sure we'll have some West Coast action for us. Raj, what do you got this week for how you make people rich? I'm probably not. I, I usually make people rich by doing the opposite of what I say. And this is a double like anomaly in the sense that I never tell people to bet on USC. 
Um, I got a buddy of mine, young kid that was young white kid that I met at the NCAA tournament uh, in Indianapolis. All the games were the same. Oki State kid, friends with Mike Boynton. Um, so got to go to a lot of the games. Anyways, kid's also a bookie, so you know he's a hustler. And he was asking me about USC against Colorado. And I was like, they match up super well, you know, especially of our time limit here. My bad. So long story short, take USC plus two and a half. He had told me minus two and a half and I was surprised. But with KJ Simpson and Tristan De La Silva of Colorado, smaller but bigger, like uh, twos and fours. SC can guard those guys, and SC's finally healthy. So USC plus two and a half. There we go. Fight on Trojans. Brandon, what do you think? I'm going to keep rolling with golf here this weekend. Um, it's not a very big big name field this week at uh, the Honda Classic, but Shane Laurie's just coming off a top 14 finish at uh, the Genesis, so playing some good golf right now i've got him at plus 190 to finish in the top 10 all right i like it short and sweet tom what do you like to make the people rich and famous well uh i'm gonna go in the world of nascar because i seem to uh really enjoy that i'm really uh, pushing it so i'm gonna go uh we're in california this weekend yes in the last 10 races that have been in california Kyle Bush has won three of them. You know he's going to be fired up. He came in real close, almost pulled it off, if not for getting caught up in one of those overtime crashes. Uh, per fan duel, he's plus 950 to win. I'm going Kyle Bush to win California. I can't believe I let you talk before me. That was my bet you're not to pick also. <laughs> I am going Kyle Bush also. Yes, he's great on that track. He uh, is it a new team. He's ready to win. Kyle Bush for me too. Love that bet. Um, all right, boys, we have about an hour or no, a minute and twenty seconds left. We'll do your final words, Tom. You're on the screen. What are your final words? Hopefully, you can uh, you survive next week and you'll be with us. Yes, uh, we haven't had any more outages today, and and I do apologize for that earlier in the show. Uh, real quick, I just want to um, uh, final words. My mom had a a, a little mishap uh, this week. Uh, she's been in a rehab center, fell and broke her leg, broke her femur bone, um, which set her rehab back a little bit. Uh, Did she, she watch wanted- us? Uh, my dad and my sister do, so it'll get back to her. Um, well, so well, we we hope we hope all's well for the Sloan family. Yes, thank you. Uh, she had surgery yesterday. Uh, doctor said she now has a bionic leg as she put a titanium rod and bolts in it. So, um, And her quick wit was back tonight. She was uh, looking forward to having a shot of Crown Royal, and she doesn't even drink. So I want to wish my mom well and um, her recovery. I love you and uh, can't wait to see you. Hopefully you'll be out there, out there uh, next week to uh, give you a big hug. Uh, so, All right. Uh, Brandon, go to you. I'll keep it short and sweet. We're running out of time. Bama, do better. Come on. Well said. Raj? Dang, man. The more I read about this and the rationalizations of Brandon Miller's attorneys and the program, come on, man. Like, just come on. 
done. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't start this segment thinking that's where I were where I wanted to go, but you it's hard to go anywhere else besides that. Like, look, I get it. I've had to write letters defending the indefensible before and it's hard but it's it's very lackluster and um Alabama as a university is a higher ed you need to do better. And if the coaches, the athletic department can't do better, if the president and or chancellor can't do better, the board of directors, somebody has to come up and be an adult in the room and say, look, these are allegations and I'm fine. And, and, and everyone has due process. But you have to send some message that this isn't okay. A young mother died as a result of a gunshot wound. And there's been no story or anything that has said what they alleged happened hasn't happened. They just said that's just not a crime in Alabama. And that may be true, but what's not a crime doesn't necessarily mean what's not right. And that's the society we have to work on is just because it's not illegal does not mean it's not right and or not wrong or whatever the words are. But Alabama, you're on the national stage right now. And there's been one bad apple doesn't necessarily follow the others, but there's been car wrecks. There's been murders. There's been another murder, allegedly all these things, but come on, do better. And that's my final thought. Um, and that's not me as a Tennessee fan of hating Alabama. I don't hate Alabama. I respect the hell out of their football program. I respect did past tense, Nate Oates, um, as a basketball coach, as a person, as a leader, I have serious questions moving forward. And now he can change those by doing the right thing, but he better and they better um, because the world's watching. Well said. Um, thank you guys for watching. Um Subscribe, like, uh, email us, make comments, anything you want to see more or less. We're open for feedback. It's reckless speculation. We will be um, – I made – I did a bad job of not plugging the March Madness thing earlier. We were doing a March Madness Selection Sunday special, um, which will be awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to it. My One of my favorite days of the year. We'll see where – our underachieving balls go if Raj's team makes the bubble and then the Big Ten uh, floppers. Just uh, we'll see you guys in the NIT. Yeah. And, and also, real quick, uh, River City Media has a new show. It's the uh, Clyer Kyberson show, former Tennessee volunteer, as a podcast. And he's joined River City Media. He's got a pretty good following. So be sure to check that out on River City Media. Uh, for future shows and some of his past shows. So 
a new addition to the River City family. We're looking forward to uh, being a part of that. And uh, exciting, yes, and, exciting and we will, times we, coming up. We, we will be back Thursday. Yes. We're, we're going to have uh, some special insights that we can't tell you now, but we will expand on next week. <laughs> yes, for sure. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. Thanks for listening to River City Media's own Reckless Speculation. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, searching Reckless Speculation. And catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right here next week with another exciting episode of Reckless Speculation. Cheers.